Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show If my voice sounds a little weird It's cause I am in fact under the weather You know Kids in school, that's what you get Shouts to all the parents Catching every little cold From these little dirt balls We call our kids at school Cheers We love them though We love the kids They just get us sick all the damn time Missing work (laughs) But I'm here I'm here to deliver I'm here to bring you a great show And what a great show we have What up Cyber Family If this is your first time joining us Welcome This is Sometimes I Be Right I am your host John Farris Reporting live from Trash Can Studios As always joined by my co-host Wally Say what up Wally so today, I'm not with, I'm not with the, uh, I'm not with the play, play. I'm here to be real. I'm here to be honest. I had some great, great interactions online this week. Uh, you know, some people calling me out, clown emojis. <laughs> I love all that. So let's get right to it. Let's start with some foolishness. Okay, I said I wasn't here for play, play. So let's get the foolishness out the way. So over the weekend. You had the big Misfits boxing card. Uh, For those of you who do not like this Misfits or YouTube boxing scene, feel free to fast forward. I agree with you. I don't like it either. To an extent. To to an extent. Right? But I I always get sucked in. So this weekend was the KSI versus Tommy Fury and then the Dylan Dennis versus Logan Paul. Now. Why this piqued my interest at all was number one, uh, I don't I don't know I don't know Dylan Dennis outside of his beefs and the nonsense he's been doing with this YouTube scene, calling out you know, uh, calling out Logan Paul, calling out Jake Paul at one point, doing all that nonsense. That's that's what I know. That's first time his name came up. That's what he in my brain. That's what he is to me. I don't know him like that. I'm not familiar with him like that. That's what it is. But the 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 coming in, uh, doing all the stuff, releasing all the stuff he was doing about Logan Paul's wife, there was like some bad blood there, and it was really like, oh no, I'm taking this serious, I'm gonna beat this guy, and it was like a, that kind of got me. Tommy Fury, on the other hand, is considered to be a professional boxer. He beat Jake Paul, and he's now fighting KSI. KSI is the one who's trying to set up a mega fight with Jake Paul, and he's like the king of the YouTube scene overseas, right? So the whole idea is like, all right, this real boxer fighting this guy who's unorthodox. Can he really punch? Is he really a hard hitter or whatever? I got nothing else to do with 5 p.m. on a Saturday. Sure. Let's do it. Let's watch it. Now, those fights annoy me. Those fights, as a a boxing fan, those fights make me sick. The fights I like are the Slim versus Salt Poppy because those those are two guys who understand I am not a pro boxer. I'm not calling out pro boxers. I'm not saying I'm going to win a title. I'm not doing any of that. This is where I fight. I fight these guys. Of these guys, I'm the best of these guys. They stay in their lane. They play their part. It is essentially like wrestling. It's like WWE wrestling. This is where we are. 
They're not calling out UFC fighters and saying, put me in the cage, I'll beat any one of y'all. They are wrestlers, they're entertainers. In their field, they stay in their field. That's what guys like Slim and Salt Poppy do. And it's fun. In that realm, that is fun. Because they know what they are, they know what they're doing, they know what their job is, they know what they're there for. That's it. The other guys like a Jake Paul or a Logan Paul or a KSI who like to stay in that world but talk as if they are of another world, that gets annoying. And it's frustrating because when you watch it, it's incredibly low-level boxing. And when you look at it from the lens of these are professional boxers, real boxers, guys who are trying to get a title, when you watch it from that lens, it's awful. Here's... Here's why I love the KSI versus Tommy Fury fight. Here's why I love it. Number one, because let's let's talk about it. Everyone who watches boxing, who is a real boxing fan, will tell you Tommy Fury sucks. He does. He's not very good. He's not a good boxer. He's never going to win a title. He's not on his way to, he's not even close, okay? If he goes up against high-level professional boxers himself he's gonna get his ass whooped we know that we watch him we see it we know it you dodo birds who don't really watch boxing who don't pay attention to boxing and just know that he's a pro boxer who knows his brother is heavyweight champion of the world you guys think oh he's the measuring stick if we do well versus him we're proving we're legit he beats jake paul oh that's tough Right? Because your boy Jake, who was going against a real boxer now, I'm going to fight a real boxer. He now loses to a guy who real boxing fans know Tommy Fury sucks. So you couldn't even beat a low-level pro fighter. Makes you look bad. You got to run back and fight Nate Diaz now. Try to drum up some interest that way and hope that you could build this thing back up again. Here comes KSI. KSI is trying to prove his legitimacy goes up against Tommy Fury, who we all acknowledge is bad, and looks bad losing. He looks bad. He looks bad. Both of them look bad. It was terrible. But what does that say about KSI? That even against this bad boxer, you can't do anything. You suck too. Stick to what you're used to. The reason why I bring all this up, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, because I know most of you don't care. The reason why I bring this up is because the thing that stuck out the most from this entire event was the loser's mentality. Here is what my biggest issue has always been, and I've never been able to sum it up in words and kind of articulate what it was that was bothering me about Jake Paul, about Logan Paul, about the YouTube boxing scene. I've never been able to figure out what really upset me about it and articulate it, but I I had the feeling I didn't know how to say it. This week... The, it, it became clear, loser's mentality. This whole scene is based around a mentality of losers and frauds. Let me explain. Dylan Dennis came into the fight talking trash to Logan Paul, saying how he sucks, he's not this, he's that, he's going to knock him out, he's not any good, blah, 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 he's not a real fighter. Gets in the ring with Logan Paul, and Logan Paul proceeds to manhandle him. Do whatever he wants. Box, move, jab, throw punches, combinations, land hits. Dylan Dennis couldn't do anything. Barely threw any punches. 
got towards the end of the fight and decided, nah, I'm going to just do something crazy. Tried to get a takedown. Didn't work. Logan Paul, fantastic athlete. Say what you want about him, how good of a boxer he is, how much of a moron he is. Whatever you want to say about him, dude is an outstanding athlete. Straight up. Then he tries to get him in the guillotine takedown. Couldn't do that either. Dylan Dennis looked like an absolute loser. Okay? Now, here's what he said after the fight. Okay? Here's what he said after the fight. Let me pull it up because I screenshotted it because once I saw it, it crystallized to me what I hate so much. So Dylan Dennis afterwards said, a jiu-jitsu guy with no boxing camp or coach made his debut, never wobbled, never dropped, had no standing eight count, and rocked you multiple times. If I were Nina, I'd call off the wedding. You achieve nothing in your own sport. MMA next. Here's the problem. Dylan. The name of the game is to win. Just because he didn't knock you out, just because he's not a real boxer, quote unquote, or just because you're not a real boxer, quote unquote, doesn't mean he didn't beat you. You guys agreed to a boxing match. He beat you. For the standard now to be, oh, he ain't knocked me out though. Oh, what'd you do? You didn't knock me out. That's not the standard. That's not the standard. Hey, when Logan Paul didn't get knocked out by Floyd Mayweather, these bozos came on saying, oh, but Mayweather couldn't even knock him out, though. Mayweather couldn't even knock him out. He couldn't even hurt him. That's not the standard. The standard is we agree to fight. I won the fight. It's not, oh, yeah, but, like, you're supposed to knock me out. Like, no, who said that? That's not the standard. That's a loser's mentality. That's a, oh, at least I didn't get knocked out. You know what that mentality does? You know who doesn't follow that mentality? Boxers and boxing fans, which is why Jermel Charlo was getting so much flack for the way he performed versus Canelo because a lot of boxing fans felt like Charlo just didn't want to get knocked out. And so he fought just to knock, he just fought to survive. And they don't respect that. You can't go into a fight and say, well, at least he didn't knock me out. That's not the standard. That's a loser's mentality. When KSI gets the decision read and says, oh, it's a robbery, like you're supposed to be the real boxer. You're the real boxer. Look at my face. You didn't even hurt me. Bro, that's not the standard. The standard isn't, oh, if you're the real boxer and I'm a novice and you don't knock me out, then I won. Like, no, there's no participation trophies. No, there's no moral victories. No, there's no, oh, I have to knock you out or else you win. No, that's not what it is. It's boxing. It's fighting. I might not knock you out, but you know what everybody knows? If somebody is trying to avoid engaging to avoid the potential of a knockout, they can avoid getting knocked out. They can avoid getting knocked out, and that's what happens. Every time Tommy got close to KSI, there was a grab. Why? He didn't want to get knocked out. So if he wasn't in the comfortable position, he was just going to hold. That's a loser's mentality. Hey, Dylan, you look like a loser. You lost, you got dominated, you tried cheap tactics, you got disqualified, you got beat up by Logan Paul after talking all that trash, you lost. It's fine, it's boxing, you lose, hey, who cares? Nobody told you not to have a boxing coach. Nobody told you to make your pro debut against Logan Paul. Nobody told you to do that. This was your choice. When you make these choices and they don't work out, you can't then use them as your uh, your defense to say, oh, but I didn't even have, I didn't even train. You're a loser. You're a loser then. 
You agreed to a fight, didn't take it serious, or wasn't good enough, and now you're trying to say, he didn't wobble me, no standing eight count. Bro, so you still lost. The point is you lost. That's it. There's a winner, there's a loser. You're the loser. Give credit, give props, give praise, and move on. That's what Nate Diaz did. That's what Anderson Silva did. When they lost to Jake, it was like, yo, props to him. You know, good, good, good fight. Tyron Woodley did his credit. Give him credit. He beat me, knocked me out. Hey, you, you move on. You don't make excuses. That's a loser's mentality. And this whole YouTube boxing scene is a bunch of people, a bunch of kids, a bunch of fans who have that loser's mentality. Who's, oh, you're supposed to be blah, blah, blah. So now you came and you challenged me. If you look at Tommy Fury, Tommy Fury was challenged, okay? KSI wanted to fight Tommy Fury. He took the fight. Let's fight. I fought you. I win. Just because I'm the pro boxer, just because I am the better boxer, doesn't mean I have to knock you out or else it's a victory for you. Those weren't the rules we agreed to. Put it in the contract next time then. Put it in the contract that the only way to win this fight is to knock someone out. Or put it in the contract, if you don't knock me out, I win. There's no point system. It's knockout or nothing. Six rounds to knock me out or else I win. Then I'll say, okay, that's what you're, those are the terms. Fine. But the standard as of now is wins, losses. Who wins the fight? Who loses? Take it. You lost. That's fine. Don't use this loser's mentality to start moving the goalposts to make yourself feel better about the fact that you lost. But I didn't get knocked out. Nobody cares. You lost. Now let's move on to real, real stuff. Okay? Real stuff. And what I want to talk about is I want to get into an uncomfortable conversation. Not for me, because I'm not uncomfortable, but y'all are uncomfortable. And I see it, I notice it, and it's starting to bother me. My bad, just had to take a drink. My throat is hella dry, and I'm trying not to cough on the mic. Let's talk about Colorado. Now, Colorado lost after being up 29-0 at halftime. Colorado lost. Stanford comes back. Second half, they dominate. They win. Couple things about this game. Colorado is now four and three. And we talked about it after a three and zero start. We talked about how Colorado may not even win six games. It's a real possibility after a hot three and zero start, they don't win six games. It's possible. Let's look at their schedule. So they're going to sit this week, come back next week, and play UCLA. UCLA is tough, and they are going to be on the road at UCLA in a primetime game. Look, night games on the road in college are hard. Night games on the road in college against a good team is hard. When you got all the attention on you, it's even harder. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking UCLA in that game all day, every day. Taking UCLA. The next week, they're home against Oregon State. I'm taking Oregon State to beat Colorado. Okay, so now you're dropping down to four and five. Arizona after that. Arizona's tough. I don't know if I'm going to take Arizona, but if you're asking me right now to make a bet on it, I think Arizona is going to beat Colorado. So now you're looking at four and six. You got two games. You got to win both in order to be bowl eligible. Then you go on the road to Washington State and a night game on a Friday. I'm picking Washington State. And then you end on the road at Utah. I'm picking Utah. I don't think 
Colorado wins another game. And I know, if I told you coming from one win to the next year winning four, being competitive in multiple games versus very good teams, is that a win? You would say, yes, and I would agree. And we talked about this. Colorado doesn't have to be great in order to have a successful season. They don't. They don't have to make a bowl game to have a successful season. They don't. Here's what's bothering me. After starting 3-0, the conversation has to shift. After talking about how good Dion is as a coach, how he's changing the culture, how this team is better, this and that, look what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. After all of that conversation, after Shador Sanders might be the second pick in the draft, he might be the second best quarterback in the draft, after all of that conversation, you now have to adjust from, A, just win four or five games, successful season, that now changes because you're 3-0. and 3-0. and Well, you're now the talk of the town. You are now, you came out after game one and started talking about the receipts you have. You started, do you believe now? You went all on that. You wore the shades. You're flashing the watch. Expectations now have to adjust. Standards now have to adjust. We have to look at it different now. Like, well, hold on now. Maybe this team is better. How good are they? You got washed by Oregon. We forgave it. It's fine. It's fine. Nobody expected you to beat Oregon in Eugene. No, that's fine. Then you come back and you lose to USC. Again, we didn't expect you to beat USC. It's fine. It's fine. It was a close game. You guys competed. That That's a moral. We'll give you that. Then you go up against, you know, Arizona State, and again, you win like you're supposed to. It was a little closer than it should have been, but you won. We'll give you credit. But then you lose to Stanford, and the way you lose to Stanford, oh, boy. Here's what no one wants to talk about. Colorado, right? And it was called out by Oregon. Colorado is all flash. They are all flash. That's it. That is it. Star coach, star quarterback. That's it. That's it. That's it's all it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all flash when things are going great. Woo, perfect. But when you dig down deep into the trenches, this team has nothing. Their defense is awful. Their offensive line is bad. They make penalties after penalty. They're averaging almost 10 penalties a game. Guys, you know what that is? That's coaching do you know what it is when you got your best player travis hunter playing way too many plays to where he can't be as effective on offense and defense in the second half of a game you know what that is that's coaching yeah we don't want to talk about it we don't want to talk about it because everybody loves coach prime we love Dion. We love what he's bringing to the sport. We love the energy. We love the flash. We love the quotes. We love everything. And I'm not being sarcastic when I say it. We do. I love all that. I love the way that he speaks to the players. I love the way that he makes them student athletes. I love the standards he holds them to. I love the way he says you're going to be respectful, this and that, da, 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 da. I love all of that. I truly, truly do. I think he is a fantastic guy from what I know. 
obviously. <clears throat> I can't say he's a fantastic guy because I don't know him. But from what I know, from what I see, he seems like a great guy. He seems like as a coach, for him, it's bigger than just on the field. I believe him when he says it. I think it's genuine. But what we can't ignore is what's happening on the field. You have a team that's getting penalized a lot. That's coaching. A lack of discipline on a team. That's coaching. Players consistently being out of position, making mistakes. That's coaching. Giving up a 29 to nothing lead, running your offense as if it was 0-0, not extending, not like shortening the game, not running it a little more, not taking a little more time off the clock when you see, hey, man, my team looks like it's real and let me kind of slow things down. Just not that's coaching. Since the 3-0 start, Deion Sanders has not done a good job coaching. They have not made the proper adjustments. They are still racking up penalties game after game after game after game. There's a lack of discipline. That's coaching. People are saying that Nick Saban is done. It's over for him because of the way Alabama looks. Alabama has one loss. Alabama's probably still getting to the college football playoff. They tried to run my guy out of Texas out of town. They're talking about firing. People are calling for Ryan Day at Ohio State to get fired this year if they lose to Michigan. He's never lost to an unranked team. He's got like six. He's like 50 and six as a coach. And they're talking about get him out of here. We can't look at Dion and say Dion's a great coach. He's great for the culture. He's this, he's that, and not acknowledge the fact of, hey, bro, Colorado's a whole lot of flash, a whole lot of pizzazz and swag, but no guts. No guts. Like, that's it's what it is. Somebody needs to talk about it. How great is Dion really? Now, I know, year one, trying to change things over. I'm not saying he's good. He's not good. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is another coach who didn't have the high profile would not be getting a pass. Dion should be getting called out week after week after week with these losses because we would do it to everybody else. That's what I mean when I say let's be open, transparent, fair. Let's not hold some people to certain standards, but because we like this guy, we hold him to a different one. <clears throat> Nobody else, like, you, I, listen, I hate Michigan, but they wanted to run Jim Harbaugh out the building. He was winning 10, 11 games every year. Wasn't beating Ohio State, wasn't getting to a title. They wanted to get him, they wanted him gone. That's like, bro, we just won 11 games. Relax. They wanted him gone. Hold to a different standard. Dion in year one, if they don't win another game, and it's it's a real possibility they don't win another game. Because, look, they struggled versus Arizona State. They needed overtime in that game. They struggled. It's a real possibility they don't win another game. And at that point, the season has to be looked at as kind of kind of a failure. Because, yes, coming in, there was expectation of how good can they make a bowl. That's like, you know, hey, can they get the six wins? That would be fantastic. 
if you start off three and zero and you proceed to lose to lose every other game but one, that's a failure. We have to adjust the scales at that point to say, well, we didn't expect you to be here, but now that you're here, hey, bro. Like, look at Washington now. We didn't expect Washington to be in the conversation, but now that you're here, they go on to lose two, three more games. That's a failed season. Because the, the expectations now have to change. Now that we've seen you, now that we've acknowledged certain things, we now have to adjust expectations. And on a side note to this, Shador Sanders needs to stay in college. He's not ready for the pros. He's not. He just isn't. And it's not a knock on him. It's not a knock on him at all. Essentially, I'm looking at him as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman. Look, say what you want. Division one power five football is different. It's different than the level of HBCU. It is. It is. It's different. It's the best of the best. At every position, pick of the litter, you're getting top guys. Everywhere. At an HBCU, yes, you'll have some good players. Yes, you'll have some guys who are good enough to play at a Power 5 school. Colorado's proving it. They got guys that they brought from Jackson State that are proving they could play at this level. But it ain't the same. It's not. You're not running into nearly the level of talent at the HBCU level that you are at a Power 5 conference like the Pac-12. That's a fact. So when you look when you look at Shador, Shador is playing well, but he does some things that let you know that's just inexperience. He hesitates sometimes. He takes too many sacks. Like he'll he'll take bad sacks instead of just getting rid of the ball. He tries to force some things. Like you could just see it like, oh, you just you just need another year. Cause this year basically he's learning as he's going. He's adjusting as he's going. Next year, he's gonna come back. He's gonna have that year of experience, a little more confidence, a little more understanding, a little more command. Boom. So when the video came out of Dion saying he's not going to the pros, a lot of people looked at that and thought it was more or less like no, I want you to stay here. When I think what it really is, is you're not ready. You're not ready. You're going to go there and you're going to start off poorly because you're going to go to a bad team. More than likely, you're going to a bad team who's picking early in the draft. And then you're going to be in a bad situation. So a kid who's not ready is going to play for a team who's not ready and it's going to look bad and it's going to ruin your career. And as a coach and as a father, more importantly, he's going to protect his kid. Shador needs to stay in college one more year. It will do him a lot of good. Stay, get another year under your belt, get that experience, you'll be more ready to go next year. He's not ready right now. I want to talk about Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams lost. I shouldn't say Caleb Williams lost. USC lost to Notre Dame, and they lost convincingly, and Caleb Williams played like absolute dog do. Now, I have notoriously been called a hater, I, there's something, I've said it before, there's something about Caleb Williams that makes me pause. That makes me go, I don't think, I don't think he is what they're claiming he is. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you. It's not hate. And I don't quite know what it is. But there's something when I look at him that I say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
It's something there. And against Notre Dame, I think what we saw was a big old flashing red sign. We saw a red flag waving warning. We saw the warning light come on, the check engine light come on in the vehicle, and every NFL team needs to be on high alert when looking at Caleb Williams. I know he's projected to be the number one pick in the draft. He is a generational talent. Caleb Williams, he can do a lot of things. He's got, if you if you listen, he's going to be incredibly impressive at his pro day. He looks fantastic when things are clean. But against Notre Dame, it wasn't clean. It wasn't perfect. There was pressure. There were windows that were a little slim. In my opinion, that was as close to an NFL game as he's going to play. And he looked terrible he looked terrible there's no other way to put it he was terrible against a team who was able to get pressure against a team who was able to interrupt the passing lanes a team that was able to have good coverage in the secondary and he didn't have wide open guys he looked lost I don't know what it is about Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, to me, seems like a guy who is incredibly gifted and knows it. And when plays break down and when things aren't going well, he relies on his physical gifts rather than his mental. And he starts to try to make things happen, which leads to turnovers. And against a bad team... He could run around, run around, run around, guy wide open, boom, I'll deliver it. Against a good team, a well-coached team, a disciplined team like Notre Dame, he couldn't run around, run around, run around, find a guy wide open and deliver it. They stayed home. They stayed disciplined. They made it tough for him. And when they made it tough for him, he had no answer. Now, why is this a warning sign for the NFL? Because coming out of that game, the conversation was, Oh, you know, like they they didn't they didn't block very well for him. He didn't have any time. Everything was sped up. Guess what's going to happen in the NFL? Yeah, if you guessed it, he's not going to have a lot of time cuz he's going to get drafted number 1. The number 1 team is going to be at best case scenario the Bears. So now if you're the Bears, like the Bears don't get they don't block it up well. So you're going to have a lack of weapons, more than likely, because you're going to the number one team. You're not going to have all the weapons in the world, so you're going to have some questionable weapons, a questionable offensive line, probably a middle-of-the-road-to-bad defense. And so now you're putting this kid who's showing you repeatedly, make it tough for me. I can't do everything. I can't be superhuman. And ask him to be superhuman and expect what? That he's going to do it at the the highest level? It's going to end up being much the same. Much the same. It's going to be much the same. Now, so for me, it's like, all right, so if I'm an NFL team, what I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, we have to make a choice. 
All right. We have to make a choice, a real choice. How are we going to go about this? How are we going to attack this? I don't believe. And I'm going to come out. I'm going to say, I don't think Caleb Williams should go number one. I don't. I think Caleb Williams, I think he shows a lot of traits that make me nervous as a GM. I think he's got all the physical tools, but I do think that there's a part of him that when it's not perfect, when it's not great, he kind of doesn't know what to do. My bad, (laughs) y'all. I just disappeared. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> nah, bro, I was fighting with a bug. There's a bug in Trash Can Studios. And I, I listen, when I see a bug, I gotta I gotta kill it. Like I gotta kill it immediately. You know what I mean? Or else it's just gonna like I'm just gonna be focused on it the rest of the time. But he got away. He got away. Little beetle. Little beetle got away. He's gonna come back and I'm gonna get him then. Anyway, so back to what I was saying. I just think Caleb Williams. Look, I I haven't I, I I'm I'm about to start with my draft coverage and and starting to to scout guys and look at guys and see what I think and, and grade people. But there's something about Caleb Williams that makes me pause. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, I acknowledge that he's great. I acknowledge that the physical tools are there. I acknowledge that he's got all those things. I acknowledge it. But there's something missing. There's something missing there. Uh. I just want to touch on something real quick. Um, and this is, you know, call this the hate portion. Uh, I'm seeing a lot that, you know, mock drafts are starting to come out. It's it's that time of year. People are starting to get excited. Uh, and J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, the quarterback, is, is being looked at. He's being put in some mock drafts as a first-round quarterback. Hey, let me just tell you something. If you draft J.J. McCarthy... Good luck. I'm listen. JJ McCarthy is trash. Okay, like JJ McCarthy, bro. Stop, stop. If you're one of those people that think like he should be the second or third or even fourth or even fifth quarterback drafted, you are bugging. You are out. I'm seeing you're out of your mind. JJ McCarthy is booty cheeks. Stop it. Stop it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Stop. Let's talk about Ohio State versus Purdue. I came into this game and I was very nervous. I thought, listen, if I was a betting man, I would have bet Purdue beat Ohio State. It didn't make any sense on paper, but as I told you, one in four in their last five games uh, playing at Purdue. Like, look, Purdue has, has been a thorn in my side for a long time, and they, they scared me. Ohio State came out and dominated the game from start to finish. Now, Purdue's no good. They're not a good team. I didn't think they were a good team. I just know, for whatever reason, they play tough against Ohio State. That's what I was giving them credit for. Not saying they're good. I'm not under any illusion that they are good. I get it. They're not good. But the thing about this game that shocked me and surprised me was Ohio State was missing a bunch of players. A bunch of players. And... I was, I, the way they looked and the way they came out and handled business. Here's what I'm going to say about Ohio State. I think Ohio State is much better 
much better than they're getting credit for. And I think people look at Ohio State and are just like, yeah, they're winning, but they don't look good. I told you last week that they were criticized and they're the least impressive of the top 10 teams. You know who I'm talking to. You're wrong. You're wrong. Like, I don't understand. Here's here's what here's what I want to I want to sh- are you I hope you're as shocked as I am. We look at Kyle McCord and we say to ourselves, man, Kyle McCord. I don't know if he's the guy. He's completing sixty four percent of his passes. It's pretty good for a first time starter. It's not great, but hey, it's pretty good. You go you gonna win games that way. He's averaging 9.7 yards per attempt. That's that's a lot. He's got 11 touchdowns and only one interception. A QB rating of 165. So 64%, 11-1. Like, that's pretty good. That's all right. Like, you're like, wait a second. That's, That's pretty good. So he's got 11 touchdowns, one interception, completing 64%. That's that's pretty good. Like, it's not great, but you can win games that way. And I think Ohio State, their defense is playing fantastic. So now you're saying, huh. Okay. No, Ohio State is not as dominant as they once were. And I told you, this season is reminding me a lot, a lot of 2002. And why I said that was because it's not pretty. If I'm not mistaken, in 2002, Craig Krenzel at quarterback threw for 12 total touchdowns. Like, it was not pretty, but they were effective. The defense was legit, was top-notch, and they were winning games. This year, obviously, they're scoring more points, throwing more touchdowns. <coughs> but it's still not pretty. It's not beautiful. There are moments and stretches in the game where the offensively they look the nep. I think what they're doing, though, is they're winning games and they're slow. They're improving each week. They're improving. And this week, they get to go against none other than Penn State. Now, they're at home. Here's what I'll say. Here's how I'm looking at this game. Ohio State will be the best team that Penn State has played by far. They will be far and away the best team that Penn State has seen this year. Penn State's not the best team that Ohio State has played. And they're home. They're home. Right? Penn State. All right, so let's look at this. Drew Aller, right, of Penn State has less passing yards, completing one percentage point higher, has one more touchdown, and just one less interception. There's questions about Aller at quarterback. And they're going against the best defense that they've played. But everyone will look at Penn State and be like, yeah, Penn State's good. 
everyone looks at Michigan and says, yeah, Michigan's good. Yeah. No, they're good, man. They're doing their thing. But people look at Ohio State and say, what? Ohio State's unimpressive. Ohio State's not this. They're not that. What? 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 I don't, like, again, I don't understand. What do you, what do you want to see? I think against Purdue, they exercised some demons. I think they got some, I think they went out there and they proved something. Number one, we're playing on the road in a tough environment where we haven't fared well. I wasn't the only one bringing it up. Like, yo, this game could be tricky. You got a big Penn State game at home next week. This is a trap game against a really bad Purdue team. Guess what they did? They came out very early, put the game away early. No questions. We out of here. We could coast the rest of the way. That's big. I think that says a lot. I think they're going to come out this week versus Penn State. And this Ohio State defense will be tested. But I think the way they played versus Notre Dame is going to help them in this game. I think they're going to beat Penn State. And I think they're going to beat Penn State convincingly. And I think after this week, the college football world needs to be put on notice. So Ohio State team has something. And their little slow build and slow walk and unimpressive wins and just racking them up and racking them up and improving little by little. I think all of that, when we get towards the end of the season, it's going to put them in a real good position to compete for a title. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I want to move on out to the NFL. Uh, and 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 two things came out of uh, this weekend. And oddly enough, same stadium, same city, same situation. Very similar situation. So let's talk about the Giants and the Jets. So first off, let's just say this right now. Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in New York. Zach Wilson's better than Daniel Jones. <laughs> Hold on. <coughs> all right <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding zach wilson's not better than daniel jones uh more talented though i guess I, I don't know no he's not better let me let me let me be honest he's not better but here's here's the here's the funny thing about these two teams and why they're they're so close to each other to me and they, they mirror each other when when Aaron Rodgers went down, the Jets had to call an audible and make an adjustment. And they had to say, okay, our quarterback is Zach Wilson. And I think initially they tried to just say, ah, you know, in week two, they said, look, we got we're gonna proceed as normal. Same same thing, doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson, we'll just go forward. I think after that game they realized we cannot pretend as if Zach Wilson is Aaron Rodgers. We have to make adjustments and play in a way that he can be successful. And you see the way they play, the way they call the game, the decisions they make, it is all based on we know who we got at quarterback. We have to accept it, good or bad. This is what we got. Let's try to make it work. And they are sitting at 500 at three and three. On the flip side, the New York Giants have treated Daniel Jones the entire year like they don't have to adjust things for him. Like they don't have to like play like grade on a curve. Like they don't have to be like, well, let's just accept that he's not this. 
and will play to his strengths or whatever. They haven't adjusted to the fact that the offensive line is in shambles. They haven't made any adjustments. Nothing. It's just been perceived as normal. And they're sitting at one and five. Ta-da! The Jets are giving you a master class in coaching, in trying to make the best of a bad situation, while the Giants have a floundering offensive line and are continuing to play as if they don't. And then when they're not getting results, it's like, well, you know, we don't know. Like, you do know. You don't have the setup to do what you're trying to do. Accept it. The second part of this, number number one, let me just say, Tyrod Taylor on Sunday night gave Daniel Jones and the Giants the blueprint. Tyrod Taylor is a better player than Daniel Jones. He is. He is. Because Daniel Jones, and I'll tell you why I say this. Because Daniel Jones, to me, what you saw Tyrod Taylor do in that game, number one, he was making, he was dropping some dimes. He was. But the biggest part about it was timing. Tyrod Taylor understood this offensive line is no good. He was making quick decisions. He was dropping back. Back foot was planning. Ball was coming out. There was no hesitation. If he was dropping back that back foot, nobody was there. He was running. He was making quick decisions. Those quick decisions were making up for the fact that the offensive line wasn't giving you much time. This is what we've talked about for weeks. You can blame the offensive line if you want to. Daniel Jones still has to make adjustments and play better. (coughs) He has to. Tyrod Taylor was making fast decisions, throwing the ball to a spot, throwing the ball on target to guys, and was doing things Daniel Jones has not been doing. The pressure was the same. The offensive line was the same. Everything was the same. He was just making quicker decisions. That's why I'm saying he's better. He's processing things better. He's moving. He's making quicker decisions. He's getting the ball out. He was racking up some first downs. They were moving the ball a bit. Now, look, it wasn't perfect. They didn't win. Like, they had a chance. A, he's your backup for a reason. But my question, and the thing that I would say, Both of these teams, the questions they have to be thinking right now is the Jets, the the further along this season goes, in my mind, the more it is obvious the Jets made a terrible decision trading for Aaron Rodgers. That Aaron Rodgers trade was a horrible move. Because he, number one, he's not playing. Number two, you're three and three without him. If he wasn't on your roster, eating up salary cap, imagine. What is the benefit of Aaron Rodgers being there? You know what the crazy part is? Is to start the year when Aaron Rodgers was going to be there. If I had told you after six games, the Jets, based on their schedule, are going to be three and three, you would say, yeah, that makes sense. That's right where they want to be. If they can get through this gauntlet early at 3-3, three and three, 500, man, they're set up great. Well, guess where they are? 3-3, three and three, set up great. And Aaron Rodgers isn't has nothing to do with that. You could be having the same season without Aaron Rodgers. 
And you didn't have to give up nothing. Why'd you do it? And now look at the Giants. After watching Tyrod Taylor, my question was, wait a second. You're one in five. Daniel Jones only missed one game, so he was one in four. Why, why did you re-sign Daniel Jones? With the quarterback class being what it is this year, right? And if you believe in any one of these guys, if, if you believe in any of the guys coming out, you can trade, you can trade everything. Trade whatever you have to trade to move up. You know it's possible. Why didn't they just let Daniel Jones walk, run into the season with Tyrod Taylor? What are you going to be, 0-5? You'd be 0-6 instead of 1-5? Like, that's the difference? Why didn't they? Why did you tie yourself to Daniel Jones? Why? Wouldn't they be better off right now if they didn't have any money tied up in Daniel Jones? Because they essentially made the same decision with Saquon. Like, we're not going to lock you up because we don't trust you. We don't think you'll stay healthy. We don't think it's worth the money. Why didn't they? If I'm the Giants, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm thinking, bro, we should have just went with Tyrod Taylor if the season sucks, the season sucks now. Now, I know you're saying, oh, but they didn't expect it to suck. They thought they would be good. They didn't expect the injuries on the offensive line. It's like, I disagree with that because the contract they gave them, the biggest benefit of the contract was after two years, we can get out at no penalty. So you designed the contract to give yourself an out just in case. So you already were not sold and committed on his long-term ability. So you already exhibit doubts. So since you have doubts, why didn't you just be like, you know what? We don't believe, so let's just accept it and move on. It's kind of like they went half in, half out. And you got a half in, half out season now. In reference to the Jets, the Jets are riding high after beating the Eagles, who were undefeated. And here's what I'm going to say about the Eagles. I've been saying since the start of the season, they can be had. They are like sleepwalking, like they're winning, but like they're just kind of getting through it. And I don't know if it's just me, but but Jalen Hurts looks completely disinterested. He does not look interested at all. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if anything's going on. I don't know what's happening, but he doesn't look like he wants to be there. Just an observation. I don't have any deep dive on it, but take a look. He looked like he don't want to be there. So I I posted a video on my YouTube talking about how I'm done with Dak Prescott. And you should be too. And the Cowboys need to move on from Dak because Dak is never going to be the guy they need him to be. That I've watched it for years now and he's just not that guy. He's not going to be that guy. Let's move on. I got a lot of backlash for it. I got a lot of people in the comments saying some uh, some mean things. <laughs> a lot of people agreeing. But the question that I'm getting now is, after the game versus the Chargers, when he played fantastic, do I still change my mind? And the answer is no. 
Dak is going to have a game that's going to make you feel like, oh, wow, that's what he could be. He's always had that. But the truth is, is that's not a surprise. We saw that. He'll have those games. He'll have those moments. And then they'll go up against a really good team and he'll look like hot dog water. And then you'll be mad. So I don't get up or down anymore. That game was tough for me. Because I was rooting for the Cowboys while at the same time believing that they were not going to get it done. I was conflicted. My stance on Dak remains. It's not a season. It's not half a year. It's not one year or two years or three years or four years. It's eight years. It's eight years of evidence to show. Up until this point. So unless there is a dramatic change. He's not he he's not that guy. When they need him to get things done, he is not the guy that's getting it done. He's just not. Like I don't I don't how many times do I need to see it? How many times do you need to see it before you just say, look, it's just it's just not in him. It's not his fault. It comes up small. It comes up small in big spots. It comes up small against the best teams. And if we're talking about the Chargers, let's be honest about the Chargers. The Chargers are the Cowboys. These two franchises over the past decade have been exactly the same. They are mirror images. They, they are both considered to be incredibly talented rosters. Every year. Oh, man, the Chargers are so talented. Oh, man, the Cowboys are so talented. Every year. Every year you hear that. Every year going into the year, somebody's going to pick them to get to a Super Bowl. Every year they got a quarterback who everybody thinks is really good, but like just has those things where you're like, ah, he just, he's really good, but he's just got to put it together. If you could hear that noise in the background, bro, they're doing something in the neighborhood. They building something. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but my apologies if the audio is all loud in the background. But the, the yeah, I love Justin Herbert. I really do. I think Justin Herbert is top 3 in the NFL. And he ain't 3. In my mind, he is incredible. But I can't ignore reality where there's too many times where it does seem like, bro, you should be you're not really delivering like, I don't know, something's missing. I see it. I see it. I do. I see that there is, there like, there like that game, he throws an interception to end the game. Now, we could talk about was it his fault? Was it a bad read? Was it this? Was it that? It doesn't, at some point, it doesn't matter. At some point, we have to ask the question, like, bro, like, what is, like, I don't know. Maybe he's got something missing. I know y'all are probably screaming, like, we told you, been trying to tell you, da 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 Like, nah, I'm not buying I'm not buying it yet. Because I do still think that head coach has a lot, a lot to do with it. I do still think that he's not, you know, it's still early in the year. Like, we'll see how it goes, but he still does too many good things. But I'm just saying, Cowboys, Chargers, mirror images of each other. They are the same. They are the same. 
So, uh, a couple years ago, when this show first started, one of the very first things that uh, I started talking about that kind of really drove the program was a trade. And that trade was uh, not just this, but the, the biggest part of the trade was Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. And I came in here and I said, this trade is a, is a nothing trade because they're, they're pretty much like the same guy. Like Matt Stafford's not any better than whatever. And I was, I was a coward. I was weak. I was insecure at the time. And I kept saying, I'm not saying Jared Goff is better. I'm just saying he's almost like the same. I was wrong. Jared Goff is better than Matthew Stafford. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to say it. He's better. I'm about to get this bug. Bang! I got him, y'all. I got him. Hey, spot him, got him. Oh, he dead dead. Look, see? I'm trying to get in my talking points. I'm trying to get in my talk. And all of a sudden, this bug come out the corner of my eye. Bang! Had to take him out. Hold on. Oh, snap. He wasn't dead. Hey, yo. Look. <laughs> hey, yo. He wasn't dead. I hit him, right? So he's crawling on, on the wall, right? I hit him. He falls. He's upside down. He on, he on his back. I'm like, oh, he dead. He dead. And then I go up to it, right? And I try to crush it. But he fell on top of a paint can. It's hard to explain because Trash Can Studios is trashed. But he falls on a paint can. So, you know, you got the little lip ridge or whatever. So I try to crush it. I miss. All of a sudden, he jump up. Trying to take off. Nah, homeboy. I'm on you now. Blah. Crush him down. Here to crunch. <laughs> I know y'all don't care about this, but I'm excited. My adrenaline is pumping. I just got that bug. He was bothering me the whole show. Let me get back to what I was saying, okay? Let me get back to what I was saying. I'm sick, so... <clears throat> if there's a lot of gaps and spaces, it's because I got to hit the mute button so y'all don't hear me cough up all this mucus. I'm struggling, y'all. I'm struggling, but I'm trying to I'm trying to do this for you. I'm trying to deliver for you. Anyway, is this like flu game three for me? I'm always sick. Dang, man. Anyway, Jared Goff is better than Matthew Stafford. Jared Goff this season should be the top leader of MVP voting. I'm gonna say it. I'm going to say it. I th There is so much conversation right now about, you know, the cheetah. He should be. He should be number one. He should be MVP. Look at what he's doing. Da, 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 da. Here's what I'm going to say. Miami is no better than you thought they would be going into the year. Miami is no better. Miami is no closer to being a championship team than you thought they were. Miami is not doing anything that is surprising you. Detroit, on the other hand, Detroit 
Detroit is four and one this year. Jared Goff is fifth in completion percentage, fifth in yards, fifth in touchdowns, and third in quarterback rating in the NFL. He only has like 180 yards less than Tua. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He is fantastic this year. He is literally delivering for Detroit week after week after week after week. Big opening night win versus Kansas City on the road. They did that. That was Jared Goff. We need to start having this conversation about how good Jared Goff is. It's to the point now where I heard Colin Cowherd the other day talk about Jared Goff as a top 10 quarterback. What? When did that happen? And he said it so nonchalantly, like, yeah, he's a top 10 quarterback, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I remember, I remember when the entire sports world was raving about the trade because Jared Goff was no good. I remember being called crazy for saying Jared Goff is a really good quarterback. I remember. It wasn't that long ago. Now we all just going to accept the fact that he's a top 10. We're just going to accept it now. He's a top 10 quarterback. Nobody's going to acknowledge, hey, like we might have been wrong on this guy. Hey, we're not, we not. We just not going to talk about the season he's having. We're just not going to talk about the fact that he should be MVP or at least in the top two. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. As long as we're on the same page, as long as y'all acknowledge it and you'll come to me and say, hey, John, we remember we remember when the trade happened. We remember the entire season. We remember you saying he's every bit as good as Matt Stafford. We remember you saying that. We remember you saying Jared Goff is really good. Hey, Brian, I'm going to tell you directly. <laughs> I'm going to speak to you directly. No code. Brian, Jared Goff is a million times better than Daniel Jones. And I'm saying that because he was one of the guys you said, I said you take Jared Goff over Daniel Jones. You said no, Daniel Jones was better. Jared Goff is better than Daniel Jones. And yes, if Jared Goff was on the Giants, they'd be better. There you go. Hey, Jared Goff is better than a lot of quarterbacks y'all like out there. Hey, how good you think the Patriots could be if they had Jared Goff? Pretty good, right? Just do the exercise. How good do you think Team X would be if you put Jared Goff on there? Hey, guess what? Guess what? I think Miami would be having a much better year. I think Miami will be putting up far greater point totals. I think they might put up 70 a game if they had Jared Goff because he's better than Tua. Just go down the list. Hey, Raiders, you'd be better with Jared Goff. We already said the Patriots. Imagine what the Jets would be with Jared Goff. Come on now. Who else? Imagine what the Cowboys could be. Oh, my God. Don't get me mad. Don't get me mad. If the Cowboys had Jared Goff at quarterback, bruh, stop. Stop it. Unstoppable. Let's get into some picks before we get out of here. This show's going a little long today. So let's look at, uh, let's start with the NFL. Actually, yeah, we'll start with the NFL. Oh, let's pick out a couple games. Um, Bills minus eight and a half versus the Patriots. 
that's a big number, and my heart tells me the Patriots at some point are going to put it together. It's a division rival. They know each other. They're familiar with each other. The Patriots are going to have a game plan. Uh, look what the Giants just did to the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills, though. I think at this point, um, we need to we need to kind of look at it and say to ourselves, is it possible that the Patriots are literally tanking? Is it possible? Because I don't think the Patriots want. I don't think they want Caleb Williams. I don't think that's the guy they want. I think they want Drake May. I think if the Patriots were drafting and had to take a quarterback, I think they want Drake May. And if not him, I think they got a guy in that draft that they feel like they could get in late round one. And I think they might be trying to tank to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's get ourselves a top flight receiver, trade back into the end of the first round, and pick us up a franchise quarterback. They might be thinking it. So I think the Patriots are going to put up zero resistance to the Bills. I like the Bills minus eight and a half. Commanders minus two versus the Giants. Uh, There's rumors that the Daniel Jones neck injury could be worse or more serious than they're saying. I like the Commanders to cover the two easy. I think the Giants just keep on losing. And I think it's going to be a bad, bad year for the Giants. I think it gets worse. I think Tyrod Taylor plays well. I just think the Commanders against that Giants defense, which did look great last week versus the Bills, but the Bills have games like that where they just look completely lost on offense. I think the Commanders are going to run the ball, commit to running. Um, I think Sam Howell is going to look at this game and and do some damage against that inconsistent Giants secondary. I'll take the Commanders minus two. Ravens minus Lions. I just got finished telling you I think Jared Goff is the MVP. The Ravens minus three. Look, I think the Lions are a really good team. And I think they are going to get up to play a team like the Ravens who have such a respected standing in the NFL. And I think that they beat the Ravens. So I'm taking the Lions plus three versus the Ravens. I think Jared Goff puts on a show. And this is the week. If he puts on a show this week, I think. This is the week they start talking about them possibly being in that conversation of MVP. Um, Philadelphia. Minus one and a half versus the Dolphins. I'm taking the Dolphins. I think I think something is up in Philly. Something's going on there. Something is going on there. I don't know what it is, but I'm taking the Dolphins to win that game. So give me the Dolphins plus one and a half. And then last, uh, Chiefs minus 5.5 versus the Chargers. Chargers coming off a tough Monday night loss to uh, to the Cowboys. Uh, I think there's a nasty taste in people's mouths regarding the uh, Chargers. And I think, the, I think they win. I'm taking the Chargers plus 5.5. That's your NFL picks. Damn, that noise is loud outside. Bro, it's so loud, I feel it rumbling in my feet. I think they're chopping down trees or something. Y'all hear that? Man, it sounds like a giant is blowing, blowing some, some gas. That's crazy. All right, let's go to college football. Ohio State versus Penn State. I'm rolling with Ohio State. I think Ohio State wins big. 
I think Penn State is 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 beating up on some bad teams. And I think Ohio State is going to come in. I think they've been challenged. I think that Notre Dame game really did give them all the confidence in the world that they could beat anybody. I think this Penn State game is a game that they're going to get up for. I think this defense is going to get significant pressure on the quarterback in a way they have not done all year. I think Penn State is going to get blitzed by the fact that this team is far better than anyone else they faced this year. I think Ohio State gets out to an early lead, and I think they beat the brakes off Penn State. Um, Air Force and Navy, you don't really hear about Air Force versus Navy being like a, a big deal, but this game is a big deal. I like Air Force to win. Um, Tennessee versus Alabama. Look, Alabama is being looked at as having a bad year, a down year for Alabama, and yet they keep on winning. I think they're starting to put things together offensively and understand what they are and what they are not. And I think that is a powerful thing for a well-coached, disciplined team like Alabama, who still has a really good defense. I like Alabama to take out Tennessee. Uh, What else we got? Uh, Michigan, Michigan State. I'm going to go with Michigan because Michigan is continuing their cupcake tour. That's what I'm calling it. Their schedule this year has been pitiful. They haven't had a tough game yet. I would love to pick Michigan State to make it difficult. I'm not going to, but whatever. Duke versus Florida State. This is, look, this may be hate. I'm going to acknowledge it. It might be hate. I'm going to take Duke to beat Florida State. Here's why. Florida State has shown multiple times this year they can be had. Jordan Travis, as much as people love him, at times this year, this year, has shown you he 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 can get the jitters from time to time and just start giving the ball away. I think Duke is disciplined. I think Duke is tough. I think Duke is consistent. I think Duke will keep coming. I think Duke will have a good game plan. I think Duke is going to apply pressure to Florida State, and I think this is the week that Florida State cracks. They've had some issues before. They've had some leaks. I think this is the week that it just kind of goes sideways and are not able to kind of save themselves as they have been in the past. I think Duke takes out Florida State. And my last game is Utah versus USC. I think Utah beats USC again. I think they're going to follow a similar game plan to what Notre Dame did last week, apply pressure to Caleb Williams, And I think that pressure is going to break the levy, and they are going to beat USC. USC is going to lose two in a row, and it will be chaos. And the conversation over the Heisman will go from Caleb Williams to somebody else. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate you guys coming through for another week. I truly apologize if this week seemed a little scatterbrained. If if there was a lot of pauses, it was me hitting the mute button because I was coughing my lungs up because I am sick. I just didn't want to leave you guys without an episode. I hope I was able to deliver some fun information for you guys, some food for thought. Hit me up on social media, cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D. Let me know your thoughts if you disagree with anything I'm saying or if you think I'm a genius for anything I'm saying. Hit me up, let me know. As always, follow the YouTube channel. It's uh, at Cyber Network, S-I-B-R Network on YouTube for exclusive videos, exclusive content, and my full list of college football and NFL picks for the week. 
go check it out there. I appreciate y'all joining me. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all, Cyber Family, and I'll catch y'all next week.